This is VC Projects Podcast, and today my guest is L. Mikkel Stambridge, who is an American photographer, photography-based artist who relocated to Milan over 20 years ago. Her accomplishments include a scholarship to the University of Chicago, where she received her MFA in photography in 1996. Her works is included in public and private collections, such as the Bibliothèque Nationale de France in Paris, as well as being a finalist for many awards. The latest recognition was from the Art Tokyo International Photo Awards, and Mikkel is represented by Milan-based Lee Hiroshi Friori. Thank you, Mikkel, for joining me. Hi, Victoria. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to be back. Oh, great, great. Um, you've, I've, I've included you in a couple uh, ex group exhibitions that I've done here in LA. You're, you're in Milan right now or just outside of Milan in your studio? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, right now I'm um, an hour and a half outside of Milan uh, since we, you know, relocated or partially relocated to a mountain location. So, so it's fresh air. Very nice. Great. More and, space, more studio yeah. space. That's the main thing. Yeah. Excellent. And, um, I want to talk to you about the show that we've got today at El Nido and, um, the inspiration for this work, um, photo bodies, the series and um, where the title comes from, the host or the guest. And also a little bit about your, your process being photography-based mixed media. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, let me start with the photography mixed media part. Um, when I did my undergraduate work at San Francisco State University, mm -hmm. we had uh, some radical teachers and um, they really were uh, pushing us to leave behind traditional photography and um, they really wanted us to push, push the limits of what photography could actually be. And besides that, the, the, the name of the program was Experimental and Interdisciplinary Art. So from, from the very first days, there was already this sort of imprint about uh, photography not being um, this, this traditional, I don't know, a classical tool with perfection and perfect grays and whites and blacks. And uh, right, right from the beginning, before I even you know, know, knew how to load a roll of film in the camera, they were already pushing us to be experimental. So part probably, it was um, partly built, built into my education, but at the same time, uh, I did, I guess you could say, or I guess you could call it straight photography for a long time or my own, you know, darkroom work and um, you're working with prints and chemicals and, and uh, there, there, there's just, there just comes a time when you, when you want to see what else can this material do? What, how, how can you um, present this? I, I just don't really like going into a photographic space and there's this sort of monotonous presentation of flat prints on the wall and they're all sort of framed the same and they have to be the same size and um, there's a regularity about it and just after a long time of printing and working I just I just didn't want that anymore 
And it took me a while to move into a more three-dimensional use of the material and have it match my subject matter. So I started making three-dimensional things when the subject matter wasn't really on board with that kind of presentation. Uh, so it took me a while to realize that there was a, a, a body to the form and to the shapes. I mean, the photographic paper was taking on its own corporality. And it took me a while to match that to its theme, which, which is um, people and their bodies. And when I finally made that connection, um, oh, I forgot to turn off my cell phone, excuse me here just a moment. Uh, when I finally made that connection, um, photo bodies took, took on its um, identity as a, as a series. And so that's how I got to, to that part. And the mixed media was just a natural part of um, getting it to do what I wanted it to do, you know, whether it be, you know, with stitches or nails or um, different, different aspects of um, taking it to the logical culmination of, of that, that technique. It just, it just required or just called for um, some intervention of other materials to, to get it to that point. So that's sort of where the mixed media part came in. And I, I forgot your first question. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the day, the title of the show. Yeah. Um, so working with bodies, there's always this back and forth between um, what, what is physically represented and, and what is held on inside of us or how personalities are, how personalities interface with a physical exterior. And, um, and vice versa. And, um, you know, at what, what point is a body the, the host of a soul or the inner, inner workings? Um, or, or, you know, is the body a guest because the, the, the personality, soul, or, you know, non-manifestation part comes first? So it's sort of a question of like, who influences who or, or what? And, um, and also just um, just sort of the way I work with the with the subjects, people. Subjects doesn't really sound like the right word to me. The, the people I you know photograph and work with. Um, there's there, there's definitely a, a intuitive process going on there, and I don't really know what I bring to the table or what they bring to the table, and uh, where where those two things meet um, because they're. They're always uh, an unknown for me before I start photographing the person. I go to their house and I don't know what, what, what kind of atmosphere I'm going to find. I might need to not have ever have met the person before or been there before. So it's always this sort of, um, you know, unfolding events. And so there's no one single person in control. <laughs> it's like, like who's invited who? I don't know. Well, so that's sort of where the title came from. Yeah, that's that's really, you know, outstanding. That's really magnificent, just in itself. Um, I know at the opening last Saturday, I proposed that question to to guests that came into the gallery, and and they they left looking at the work and hearing the stories, studying the artworks, just completely. Uh, empowered and you know really contemplating you know who is the host and who is the guest and just the whole 
uh, concept of photography and, and what what was its beginnings and, and what it is today. So it's really great. And, and I think that's really necessary to propose that question. Yeah, also in, in looking at the, the history of photography, I mean, in the beginning, no one knew exactly how it would be introduced into society in a mass format. Um, there was always the idea they would also, you know, be part science and be part art. And it was, you know, the, the beginning, it was the idea that it would do the art for you. It would draw that thing um, automatically instead of you having to do it, you know, by hand. Um, but I, and people, and in the, in the beginning, portraits weren't the most immediate first thing just because the exposures were so long. But when the exposures caught up and they were, you know, a few seconds instead of minutes and, and hours and uh, what really gave the flame to photography, what really, you know, just jettisoned it into foreverness uh, were, were portraits. And I think there's just that, um, that thing about photography you know, I think about what would it would have felt like pre-photography days, and if you weren't rich enough to have a portrait painted or something, where when you sit around now with your family and you look at pictures of your parents when they were young, and you look at pictures of yourself when you're young, and you hear the stories about your birthday party and and your grandparents and before none of, none of that existed. And you know, one of the, the weirdest things when you get that like weird feeling in your gut is when you look at pictures of yourself 10 years before, 20 years before, and that uncanny thing about photography, one, it's that um, un unexplainable um, you know, representation of something that goes way beyond the physical representation of the person. You know you're you know you're touching something you know you're seeing something that is is aura or you know soul sounds corny but you know there's something that goes beyond just the body and at the same time there's that whole time factor that's just so freaky to look at which is seeing yourself through time at different stages when probably nature maybe never intended us to do that i mean we're not you know if you just get uh, like old by the day you never recognize it but when you see a picture of yourself 20 years ago you're like, oh my god um and so i mean that whole uncanny time unfolding thing with photography um that's just so inherent to its um ontological presence it's just such a part of photography mm -hmm. so um i'm kind of i hadn't always been interested in portraits but i'm i'm kind of interested in tapping into this thing about what um, what photography really is. And um, it always brings up these questions. Mm -hmm. um, I understand. You explain it really, really well. And again, you know, I'm contemplating everything you're saying, and it's, it's really true. Another thing that I really, I highly respect about you is that not only have you studied photography and the history of photography in the United States, but also in, in Paris, France, and then, and then going back to Chicago and doing your master's. And um, you shared with me in, in all of the three different institutions where you studied, at least that I know of, um, each, each one uh, possessed a different type of 
um, education or fundamental practice. And it clearly, again, when, when visitors came to the opening last week and this week, um, guests who came to see the exhibition, they, they were so impressed with um, not only the technique and the quality of the work and the handling of the subject, the composition, um, the presentation, it's so thoroughly thought out and um, just huge uh, respect and applaud for your dedication to um, your lifelong passion of being an artist and creating work in photography um, that, as you call it, is photography-based mixed media going sort of in my work, in my mind, going beyond the borders of what we traditionally think is photography. Yeah, uh, well, I, yeah, it's true that it has been a lifelong interest because I think I started, well, I know that I saved up my babysitting money when I was 15 and bought my first camera when I was 14. Um, so that, you know, that part's never changed. But if you think about it, you know, now I'm in my mid fifties and I think I sort of finally found this voice um, you know, about five years ago. And so if you think about it, like all, all those years of, um, it's not, it's not that I dislike everything I did up until this point, but I, you look back and you just think, oh God, you know, what, what was I thinking? Or um, it, it takes, it takes a really, really long time to find an original voice in photography because it's the one medium that is accessible to almost everybody. And, um, you know, the, the mechanical part of it facilitates uh, and the, and the automaticness of it facilitates almost anybody uh, being able to take some good photography. Um, there's, there's the lucky shot, but there, there's also, um, you know, it's also, it's also built into the nature of the, of the camera itself, that it's already um, in the shape of a frame that's visually pleasing. Uh, it, it's already designed to, to help you take a picture, make a picture. Uh, in fact, it, you know, developed through the Renaissance and on with the shape and the format and the, uh, it was already pictorial in its invention. And so to pick up a camera today, it's exciting for everybody. It's satisfying for almost everybody. And with not that much effort, you can take a lot of really good stuff. Um, so there are millions of us out there. <laughs> and um, to be able to get beyond um, the semi-professional, semi-amateur, uh, you know, to, to really find your voice and have a clearly distinct, you know, clearly distinct object that's yours and nobody else's. And you just don't see anything like that when you go to other galleries. And um, they're just not, there to be no doubt that that's your artwork. It, it takes a long time. And um, this, this particular voice, it really um, matured after negating <laughs> um, lots of influence from the, the institutions where I studied and also embracing it, negating it, negating it, excuse me, negating it and embracing it at the same time. 
um, because teachers influence you, they expect things, they, they give you grades, they, um, you know, they have expectations. And unless you want to drop out of school, you, you know, you meet them. And so it, it just, um, it, it took a long time before uh, I wasn't hearing a teacher comment on my production, all right? Um, because at the University of Chicago, it's a conceptually oriented MFA program. They're extremely intense teachers. It's an extremely intense program. Equally so when I was at the University of Paris, I did, I did one year in the south of France at just a language school just to learn enough French to, to go to university. So I did one year in art history and one year in photography at the University of Paris. And, you know, teachers are intense. I mean, they really, really, really know their material and there are just expectations that, are, you know, that you really have to, it's a performance. You really have to perform to stay, to stay in these places. And um, they have also lots of very, you know, classical, um, classical influences. And um, so between the conceptual program at the University of Chicago, more classical, traditional, um, no invitation to anything radical <laughs> in Paris, even though it seems ironic. And then the experimental interdisciplinary at San Francisco State. Um, so it's, you know, it's, um, it's a lot of contradictions. It's a, a lot of, um, non-overlapping of material it's a, um so it just takes a long time to process it all learn from it all get as much out of it as possible and then forget it and then eventually you know you find a voice and and from what i've heard from a lot of people your 50s are really kind of the prime time um you know you're still discovering who you are. I don't know, maybe there are some, you know, geniuses out there that get it all figured out when you're 22. But um, for most of us, just sort of uh, working away on our careers and our projects, um, when you get, get to your 50s, it's kind of like you've figured out who you are in life. And uh, now it's just sort of um, flushing out, <laughs> flushing it out. And but you know, you know what you want, you know where you are. And so I feel as if um, not that there's not a million more things to learn about this particular project and still um, develop and still um, improve on, but I feel as if um, this is where I want to be right now. Yeah, it's, it's great. You've, you've worked really hard. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so in awe of the work and I'd like to kind of talk about some of the pieces in the show and also for the, the listener um, in you know, listening to this podcast, um, the exhibition, El Mikhail Stambridge, The Host or the Guest, it opened in July 31st. Um, it will close mid-September. We have a closing party on September 11th. It's a Saturday from 1 to 5 p.m. Um, but I'd like to kind of describe some of the work starting with before and after and in between number one and number two. And mm -hmm. um, it's part of the series, Photo Bodies in Between the Edge of a Stitched Soul. Um, it's quite a remarkable work because it also includes some, what I would say, embroidery or stitching, um, photography, 
There's a metal rod that holds the two pieces together. There's um, a patina. There's uh, several different compositions within the two works. And um, some of it's realist, some of it's abstraction. And how would you, how, and, and it's about, it's uh, 15 inches by 15 inches and about one inch deep. So it's, it's a square, it consists of two pieces, but overall that's a square size. And it's an addition, um, one of nine with an artist proof. And um, it's mixed media with inkjet pigment on fine art paper, um, which is 100% cotton, hand applied patina and hand stitched. Um, it's a one of a kind sculpture with two pieces, um, the front and the back. How, how, how do you, how would you explain that work um, before and after and in between number one and two? Okay, so the first thing I want to say, which is a little bit weird for a photographer, is that there are there are additions, which that, that's the normal part, one one to nine plus an artist proof. Um, but what's a little hard to explain is that I start with an addition number. You know, this could be one out of nine or whatever, and then I work on it, and it becomes um, a one of a kind object. So it's a one-of-a-kind object, but it's also an addition number. <laughs> so um, those two things seem a little bit like an oxymoron in photography, and that's why it's sort of hard for me to participate in photography events or contests or things because they don't really know what they're looking at. It's a three-dimensional mm -hmm. piece, and normally you present photography in a situation where you just see the, the JPEG or the file, you know, you just see the file. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so the title of this piece came from um, the, the story where I had started photographing a friend and um, most of you know people I started photographing in the beginning were just friends and one thing led to another and eventually they'd give me name of someone else, but starting with friends and we had started to photograph her because she had some scars and some different things and I mostly photograph people that have somehow um, voluntarily intervened in their body because they do body modification or they've had some sort of um, uh, surgery or there's something going on with their body that requires them to um, either address, address that somehow with the way it affects them or, or because it's um, choices that they've really, you know, led, led themselves down through, through either, you know, more aggressive things like body hanging or you know, body suspension or um, piercings and stuff. So anyway, we started photographing and she had some light scars. It wasn't, you know, wasn't a particularly um, intense situation in that, in that sense. Um, and we did some work and she ended up uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. And at that point, um, she didn't really want to be photographed anymore didn't really feel comfortable with her physical body being, you know, presented publicly. So um, I ended up making this piece where I had, I, you know, I used the prints that I'd already made of her, um, but I ended up making a piece about um, uh, breast cancer, but she's sewn, sewn into the piece. So she's not visible. Um, she's incorporated in the piece, but she's protected in her privacy. 
um, but she's still there to be honored and thought of, um, but privately. <laughs> so uh, she's not visible and the piece has to do with images of um, mammographs. Is that how we say it in English? Mammographs? Yeah. Mammographs? Mammograms. Uh, mammograms. Mammograms. And, um, and different little things that you don't really think of. Like um, they draw you these designs to help you decide how big you want to make the reconstruction of your breast and um, things like that. And so it's a, it's a piece that um, has some different fronts and backs and interchangeable pieces. Um, front side, maybe a little bit darker. The back side is uh, images of clouds. So I kind of tend to associate cloud images with where um, people mentally, <laughs> mentally go when, um, you know, they have big life questions, they're, you know, introverted moments, you know, you tend to look to the sky, you tend to look for, for answers, for understanding. And so clouds kind of represent that moment when um, you have to really stop and reflect and everything takes on um, a different value, a different, um, different quality, a different, different aspect when you're faced with these, these more, you know, life-threatening, important situations. So that's that piece. It's called Before, After, and In Between because um, we started photographing her before and then after she didn't want to and then she's sewn in between the, the two pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Another work that um, everybody really loves uh, and it's a little bit different is called Doing Time, A Love Story. Um, there's, 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 up to 70 pieces, I understand. I have 43 and um, they're small sizes, anywhere from three inches to um, half of three inches, I guess one, one and a half inches. Again, they're addition one of nine with an artist proof. Um, they're inkjet pigments on fine art paper, 100% cotton. And um, some of them are stitched and there's some hand applied patina but these are a little bit more, um, in some cases, the, the compositions are, um, there's multiple ways of, of how the composition was laid out. And in some cases, they're what I would call sort of um, capturing a photograph. So they're not like individually, they're not hanging from the wall, they're not hanging, um, they're not padded, uh, but they are, uh, all of these pieces together as one unit and to me it's a very um, beautiful and to me it's a very conceptual piece as well and um, I know that we made this uh, long Greg Smith and I my exhibition designer um, and creative director he he made this lovely um, shelf five foot shelf to house all the images and we sort of laid them out and in a, in a very casual manner so people can see all the different sizes and see the works. Um, let's talk a little bit about the how this piece came about and perhaps your choices for creating this work, um, you know, as, as a finished product in, in these 70 works. Okay, so yeah, again, this was a piece that um, 
went on over time and in the sense that I started photographing this uh, young woman um, for, she had some, some tattoos and different things. And, and um, so we photographed her. She had this huge um, key tattoo on her arm. She had some tattoos of children's toys. She had the skull. Um, I mean, at the time, they just seemed like tattoos. I don't know. But I, but we photo, we did some photographs and then I went home and I do a lot of work in Photoshop. It takes me a long, long, long time to, to finish um, a series or a project. So I made some of these images uh, where she was looking through a grid. Um, actually, when I photographed her, I had her looking through a grid. Uh, I didn't know why I did that. And there were some images of like these sort of in cells sort of feeling like a hand in the cell um, as if there should be a caress, but this hand couldn't get out of the cell to the caress the way it should. And I uh, even put images of her with a mask on. Um, you know, this was in, I don't know, like 19, uh, I mean, two, 19, I'm sorry, 2000 and, and um, 15 or something like that. So wait, wait before COVID. In any case, I made these images and I just, I, I just didn't know what they meant. They didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand the meaning. So I didn't ever use those images. I just filed them away and archived. And then at a certain point, she, um, she was pregnant and she really wanted me to photograph her pregnant. And um, so I just sort of did it more as a favor. I wasn't really thinking that's the images I wanted, that the image I wanted, but she asked and so, uh, okay, why not? And, um, and I asked, you know, where, where her partner was and she said, he's away on business and um, so okay. And, uh, and then a second pregnancy came along and um, at that point it became public news um, that her, her partner had been, um, had been sentenced to, to 10 years in prison for, for uh, I think it's called invol un involuntary manslaughter, I think it's called. Um, they were crossing the street when she was nine months pregnant and this taxi driver almost hit them. And since it was, you know, two days before she was to give, to give birth, you know, he was probably pr protective. And so this taxi driver, you know, seemed unrespectful and almost hit them. So they exchanged some heated words. The taxi driver got out of the car. Um, there was, you know, a verbal exchange. And then his partner, the woman I photographed, um, pushed, pushed the taxi driver. He fell, hit his head, and um, unexpectedly later died from brain hemorrhage um, later that day. And so he was the partner of my model. He was on house, he was in house arrest for two years. So they lived together that time. Uh, they were still totally in love and they you know, created a second child. Right when the second child was born, that's when his sentence finally was determined in court and he's whisked off for 10 years prison. So she's, you know, she's uh, left alone with a newborn and a two-year-old and uh, you know it was starting start, I was starting to see this work I still hadn't really come to terms with this work but it was starting to take on much more 
uh, importance these these photographs because they were starting to build a history and story and a, a fabric um, for her life that uh, was you know starting to disappear uh, before her eyes <laughs> that you know coming into motherhood and all these things and then um, you know her partner being um, you know removed from the from the story uh, you, you have to create it you know create it in a different way. And it wasn't until 2020 when there was COVID that I really uh, came back to the story. I'd still never used any of these prints. And I heard that prisoners were possibly allowed to come home because COVID wasn't COVID protection laws and you know distancing and all that wasn't, wasn't being respected in prison. And so I contacted her and they were really hoping he might come home. It looks, you know, it turned out that he wasn't able to, but it somehow finally put me back in the story, I realized why I had put a mask on her because um, COVID outbreak and, um, the, you know, this huge key that's the literal size of the key for the prison, uh, all these through the cells, pictures, uh, all of her tattoos seem to have projected this um, death of the person, her, her children coming. It, it just seemed as if all of this um, took on a life of its own and this whole story finally um, made visual sense to me. So I created this, this work as if it were like an accumulation of albums, like if it was her whole life and you were trying to fill a hole, as if you were trying to physically um, take up space. Um, photo, photos you know, are, are physical memories. They're, they, they occupy a physical space when you spread them out on the table and your kids lean over them and you tell them about this thing and that thing and so I wanted there to be a lot of them uh, as if they were you know snapshots from from this um, trajectory and so that's why there are 70 of them and you can pile them up and you know pile them up like and wrap them uh, or spread them out or and they're also all treated with spatina so that you can handle them and they're definitely not meant to be you know single um, and it's just isolated and hung separately. It's a it's a conglomeration. It's a um, it's a piecing together of someone's life. So that's that story. Doing time, a love story. Mm, so fascinating. It's it's. Uh, I know that guests to the gallery or the art space here are just so uh, taken with that with that work. And I think. The use of spreading them out on on the on the wall with the shelf really helps expand the story and the way that you capture the images and um, their lives. You know the whole family's life. It's um, such a wonderful project, and and you're steadfast to continue it. You know, I mean, you just honoring the artwork and continuing to let it grow and evolve and in a way that we all don't know you know and just contemplating how you're going to present it how you're going to um work with this body of work and and you've written some text as well which i find really also beneficial yeah. 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 Some, sometimes it, yeah. Sometimes it really takes years before the piece uh, mm -hmm. finds, finds its voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A few other works I'm, I'm going to touch on, um, maybe not ask you too much about them. 
so we don't have a lot of time, but um, another wonderful work is called Missing Nipple. Um, and it's, and it's got, it, it talks about um, the mastectomy and, you know, the nipple um, and what, what happens. And, and it's, it's a piece that there's a special hardware and it hangs from a rod and, and I can sort of move it back and forth to show there's a front and there's a back and the length of um, the length of the work. Again, it's not a typical photograph just hanging from a rod. It's a sculptural piece. Um, there's quite a lot of stitching in the back of it and in, in the front as well. There's also a, a, a sky view or the clouds, which super symbolic. Um, I know that all of the guests have really respected that aspect of your work of putting the clouds and they, they really take a moment to say, yeah, you know, when you're in contemplation or a hope or a need of certain type of faith or spirituality, you know, you, you, you look to the sky or, you know, you look to the horizon or, you know, the elements for um, a signal or a hope or something. So they really respected that aspect of it. Um, is there anything that you'd like to say about this work? Well, again, yeah, it had to do with a mastectomy and uh, they don't always, they're not always um, able to save the nipples. So they sell plastic ones that um, women can, you know, put under their bathing suits or whatever to give a natural effect. But um, yeah, one thing that's kind of important to mention, I think is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm photographing people, not always, um, but some who have gone through these difficult, you know, physical situations, um, traumatizing and, and life-threatening, and um, and you know, they're, they're ex, you know they're extremely difficult moments for for these women. And what was important for me was that uh, I I didn't want to take gruesome photos. I didn't want um, I'm not documenting disease. I'm I'm following people in an aesthetic way. Um, I'm, I'm photographing them so that they also feel good about coming to the opening of the show. Um, you know, that particular woman, it was the first time it had really, you know, been so open and everyone at the gallery opening knew that she was the, the person in the, in the image and that she had gone through this and she felt that the image was beautiful and made her feel beautiful. Um, and her, her surgeon actually came who had operated on her and he ended up buying a print to hang in his um, office space. Uh, so proud of the work he had, you know, I had done on her. Um, so she felt, she felt really good about it. And so uh, I just, I also, you know, I just want to make sure that, um, that the people I'm working with also feel, um, you know, incorporated into the pieces and um, respected and um, kind of uh, took to heart. Flattering mm -hmm. story, right? It's, it's hard. And she said, you know, if you're 
you're going to make it into an art piece, at least bring, at least bring beauty, you know, at least, yeah. at least do something um, that an artist can do to, um, to not just leave it in tragedy. Um, and so. Right. Right. You, you've certainly done that. Yeah. Yeah. And while I'm not looking to do beauty, beauty, like uh, beautiful landscapes, or I'm not looking for beauty in that sense. Um, I'm just looking for, um, let's say a, a, a kind of beauty that lets that person reflect positively about them, about themselves or the presentation. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I understand. but clearly it's all dark and black and, you know, grays. And so it's not beautiful in a, in a, you know, daisy flower <laughs> sense of the word, but, um, at least on a um, sensibility towards, towards people and beauty mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for sure. So some of the other works that I'd like to mention is Big Heart in the Little Girl. And um, it's an unusual piece. It's seven by five inches. And um, it's got uh, an image on the front of it. And then on underneath, it's got nails um, coming down, sort of like, like, to me, it's like a comb. It looks sort of like a comb, but like a flat comb. Um, or a brush because it's the bottom is full of nails, but the top has in has the image of this um, this little girl with a big heart, and I and we've made a shelf for it, so it's on the shelf a little bit low, and so you can kind of see the side and the top of it. It's quite an extraordinary work using photography and mixed media. Um, I, I really encourage people to come and and see all of the works in the show, but, but look at that as well. Um, another work, Korean Aura, um, really beautiful work uh, that you've honored sort of the Korean heritage and use some um, natural uh, pigments, I think. Um, natural, yeah, natural dyes. Natural dyes. It also hangs from a bar, um, some pretty heavy metal and has um, hardware and it, it hangs like a scroll or something of that effect. We have it in the middle of the room. There's this beautiful aura around it. Um, it kind of has this Korean design sort of floor-de-lis. Uh, floor um, and then with that, we have it next to another piece called Veritas. Um, and again, the sculptural view of that piece hanging uh, and the portrait coming off and the story of this, this lady that has to do with identity um, is quite, quite amazing, who um, is Colombian and Japanese and Chinese. And- Korean, yeah. Korean, Korean, sorry. In Japanese, yeah. Yeah, Korean. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that you have the string um, or the thread sort of holding her together and the shape of it looks like the, the, the shape, the sculptural effect of it to me looks like um, the back of a kimono. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not. Um, and just 
again, really respect you honoring and telling the story of this lady's um, identity and how she struggles to be seen as um, an individual. Would you like to say something about that? Sure, she's uh, one of my dearest, closest friends and we met in Italy and um, you know, it's particularly hard for her right now um, because of COVID and, you know, just the, this sort of um, pointing fingers, um, you know, who's responsible. And, uh, you know, she's always just um, been acutely aware of her Asian uh, descent, um, you know, physical characteristics, but she's born in LA, raised in LA. So she's extremely, you know, extremely LA. <laughs> Um, but also has the benefit of being bilingual and Korean and raised by a Korean mom. And so there, there's, uh, um, there, there's always just, you know, so, some people wear it more easily than others, but there's always, you know, this otherness factor, even if you're, you know, completely American. And so she had just always, always dreamed of um, not having uh, Asian looking eye, you know, Asian looking features, especially her eyes. And so um, but at the same time, she's extremely gorgeous and she was a model and, uh, uh, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a, an, it's a, a, um, a constant navigating of, uh, identity issues just because the outside world never lets you forget. And, um, especially assume, always assuming that she's Chinese, uh, when she has no connection to China or doesn't speak Chinese or anything like that. Um, and so it's, you know, something that she um, wears, <laughs> uh, you know, carries with her all, all the time. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, other, other people take for granted, um, just fitting in. And, and if you don't fit in automatically, um, you know, it's, it's just a lot of extra work to, um, to explain who you are, justify who you are. And um, I made the Korean flowers just to go with her because they're, you know, they're just a, a, an actual beautiful part of her heritage. Um, she also, you know, she does completely embrace uh, a Korean aspect of, of growing up. Um, so you can have both, you know, you're completely American and you have Korean descent, you're bilingual, you know, but that's all, that's all American. So. Um, I just wanted the Korean flowers in there too. Just um, the Korean aura, they're called. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, oh yeah, and so anyway, she's got you know the name of piece is Veritas, which is a tattoo she has on her hand, which means truth. And she she got that when she was you know a teenager when she just felt as if everything was you know there was where where was the truth to things where did where, yeah where was the the underlying truth to um, the superficial superficial reading of, of things. So um, that's the name of that piece. Mm. Um, a couple more pieces I, I wanted to touch on. We're kind of getting short on time, but super important is um, small conceptions and um, swollen, swollen bellies. Um, the small conceptions chart uh, has it's, it's again, like all your works, each one is uniquely different, um, the handling and um, it is an addition and there's an artist proof. And 
what's what's really interesting about this work i think for me is that there's attachments and um there's a number of attachments that can can hang on the bar and it's it's there's one larger piece and then these smaller pieces hang off of this bar and they kind of have a complete story there's another work in the show called swollen bellies and um, from my understanding it's also about this person's life and their story and it's again a very touching composition of a woman laying down that um, I would imagine to be pregnant and she has this wool blanket covering her stomach and um, it's it's kind of like a dip it's one piece but it's a bit of a diptych and one of the you know, in this California light in Los Angeles, the patinas of the work are just so uh, breathtaking, just so incredibly beautiful and look like so aged. I mean, they just look like each piece just resembles such a treasure of humanity and what it means to be alive and exist in our bodies and not knowing what our lives will reveal you know it just it's just such an honorable um thing that you've done here so what the these small conceptions chart um let's talk about that and how you wanted to narrate that piece through the imagery of the safety pins yeah, the safety pens are uh, sort of open-ended metaphor for, for motherhood uh, or related to pregnancy. This piece is about pregnancy. And um, there was a, this, this person um, wanted this pregnancy more than anything. She was willing to keep it, stay with it, you know, create it um, despite, you know, total disapproval of her family and um, willing to leave a relationship to pursue it and leave financial stability, <laughs> leave, you know, basically leave everything behind as well as her, you know, beautiful, slim, athletic body um, to have, you know, there was nothing more important than this pregnancy to her. And in the third month, the, the doctor said, and she was, you know, extremely athletic, extremely active. In the third month, the doctor said, you know, you've got to lie down for the next six months cover your stomach with, um, with wool, you know, a warm, you know, a warm warmth and um, wait for your cesarean in six months and hope that you make it, you know, because uh, it's going to be a complicated pregnancy and, um, you know, at risk. And so I just thought about, you know, the countdown that, you know, you're lying there all of a sudden, you, you know, you've worked every day of your life, you're athletic, you're active, and all of a sudden you're lying there with your thoughts for six months alone, no partner, <laughs> no support, uh, you know, it's gotta be pretty challenging. And so I thought about that time in terms of, um, you know, a, a, a calendar. Uh, and so I, I just made these little metaphors. They're, they're just safety pins, um, but they're, they're inserted into this um, sort of abstract imagery uh, where uh, they're re repeated over and over as if, you know, we're a calendar or a chart. 
and as if it were developing uh, this sort of a womb shape, um, this little pin, it's, you know, the way it's floating around inside this sort of egg shape or womb shape, it, it takes on unexpected imagery, like as if it were um, a little fetus growing and moving around or, um, you know, little, there are little uh, pieces of material wrapped around it as if you were or a baby swathed um, in cloth when it's born or as if it were laundry, which you do a lot of when you have babies. Um, they're just these different metaphors. Um, they either could be sperm, you know, penetrating the eggs, these different little metaphors all are related to the safety pen. And I just repeated this image over and over in a chart format and um, as if it were her calendar and her countdown. And so it also has a bit of uh, you know, a feeling of being pricked and poked and, you know, one is also pregnant women. There's lots of testing of fluids and, you know, um, exams and checking your blood. And um, so there's a lot of uh, needle, needle work going on. And, and it's also just, a, um, you know, an image related to, to, to diapers, <laughs> basically. And so just, just all these different images just imagined all these things swirling around in her head in terms of uh, what what's be like when the baby's born and um, just this development inside her womb of this little figure. Um, you know, it's a little safety pin, but it looks like a little figure. And her dialogue with with herself, with her with her fetus um, uh, alone for those six months, just communicating the two of them. And so that piece is about her. Oh, that's beautiful. So it's called, yeah, the wool in the womb or a small conceptions chart. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really encourage people to come and, and see the show um, doing an exhibition during the pandemic times is never easy. Um, I the moment I met you in Paris, I, I was so intrigued by your work and you as an individual and your, again, your professionalism and dedication to your um, practice of, of making art and your lifelong discovery of um, collecting your voice and your findings in the world and, and recording that to share with, with you know, uh, you know, viewers, I want to say viewers, but people who, you know, get a sense and sense of the whole art form, you know, um, I'm thinking about people who can't see, but, you know, uh, I, but people who can touch. And of course the works aren't about touching, but art, art has so many different um, frequencies. And so I just, I just want to say thank you um what uh it, it just means so much to bring angeles can i say one last thing really quickly mm -hmm. um it, not in in the huge crowds you know you know, it'd have to be just a few people but this work is also designed for touching um you know i've worked really hard and probably like the most significant signature i guess you could say attached to my work is the, is this particular patina that makes the work almost look like um, burnished leather or um, 
you know, it, it, it takes on a very tactile quality and I never, I never show the work or I try rarely show the work under glass. Um, so that there's, um, there's, there's, you know, a significant part of this photo bodies concept is that they're, um, they're to be, they're to be experienced on a, on a tactile level. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, I, I understand that. I'm not going to let people put their hands all over it. No, I mean, it, you know, it can't be like hundreds of people, you know, you can't, have, you can't have just eaten your French fries and then go touch it. Yeah. But, you know, and if it were in your home, if it were something that, you know, you adopted, um, then it is meant to be, you know, it is meant to be felt. Yeah. What, what would be, you know, this is a hard question because you're an artist and, you know, this is your visual, your language. Um, like again, of, of what you take and feel as, you know, being alive. But what, what do you have something that you hope the, the viewer, the guest um, can take away after experiencing your work? Hmm. Um, I don't know, just that people's lives have just infinite variability and you, you just, um, you never know where it's gonna take you. And um, I don't know, I, I, I don't really, I don't really think about what people are going to take away from it. Um, I kind of, you know, besides just that I, I really love interfacing with these people and doing this work, I, I kind of always think about, I don't know who said it, but I believe it, that when you create an artwork, you think about um, like, one of your one of your best friends or a person for whom you would really like the aesthetic to work like you think about that friend evaluating that work and you think yeah that works you know like that person would give me approval um and it can only be you know one or two people it can't be a crowd it can be because then you know then you're not making you know if you i think everyone knows by now that if you try to make work for everyone you're not making work for anybody um so I don't know what I think people should take away from it. Um, I just know what I like to put in it. And then, and then who knows, <laughs> you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's great. Well, well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me um, on this podcast and to explain and talk about your work and, um, I, I hope everybody comes to the show. Um, please uh, email me, uh, victoria at vcprojects.art to schedule an appointment to come and see the show. And I'd be happy to give a personal tour. And also I have um, your text here from Doing Time and some of the other descriptions that you personally wrote out for me um, so that people can read your account of the progress and the process of of creating each work. Well, I want to thank you, Victoria. I think you've done um, a wonderful job of presenting the show. You've made a beautiful space. Uh, it's extremely personal, but professional at the same time. So I'm just really honored to, to have a solo show with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, um, until next time, I know we'll have more to talk about. Okay. Very good. Thank you. For thank you, Victoria. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.